Working with so many dental practices across Australia, we thought that for our first episode in 2022, we thought it would be a good idea for us to revisit the APRA advertising guideline, just to refresh the memory, make sure that our clients stay compliant so before we get into some exciting marketing strategies in our upcoming episode. So let's get right into it. Welcome to another episode of the Content Maximizer podcast, a show dedicated to giving you the latest digital marketing tips, ideas, and interviews to help you attract, engage, convert, and retain more customers from the internet. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cho. So here's the guidelines for advertising a regulated health services. So the latest edition that we found on the website is December 2020. Now, first of all, disclaimer, we're not lawyers. This is not advice. So this is simply our interpretation of this guideline. So please seek your own independent advice from your legal advisor or your indemnity insurer. So as a background, reading this document, the core position or the core role of the national boards and APRA is to protect the public. Very often as marketers or as business owners, we think that guidelines like this is trying to make things difficult, but really it's not. So they are here to help to protect the public. They have made very clear rules of how things work and we just got to work within that. Now, in terms of the executive summary, the takeaway we have is that the guidelines is to explain the advertiser's legal obligation under the section uh, 133 of the national law. It also provides practical examples, which we'll go into shortly. And the APRA and the national boards cannot and do not provide advertising advice. Um, and what they do is that they recommend you to seek independent advice from your legal advisor or the indemnity insurer. Okay, so that's the purpose of this document. So looking at point 1.1, the purpose of the guidelines, um, they understand that guidelines do not prevent regulated health providers from informing the public about the services they provide, um, nor stop members of the community from discussing their experiences online in forum outside the provider's control or in person. Um, so advertising um, can be misinterpreted or taken out of context. So it is the advertiser's um, responsibility to take steps to prevent this from happening. So this is the purpose of the guidelines listed in the document. Now, another part that, um, uh, that was interesting or um, was important for us as we were reading this is that advertising, so going into what's considered to be advertising, um, so advertising includes all forms of verbal, printed, and electronic communication that promotes and seeks to attract a person to a regulated health service provider and or to attract a person to use the regulated health service. So that is how they define what advertising is. So now who is an advertiser? So the person or the entity who controls part or all of the advertising, basically who authorizes the content is the advertiser. So if we go into a bit more detail, the advertiser has control of the advertising if they publish or authorize content 
or direct someone to publish or draft content, including third party, staff member, or marketing agency. So with ourselves being a marketing agency, um, we are not the advertiser. It will be the dental practice um, and the principal dentist who is the advertiser. Um, they're also someone who has the mechanism for the advertiser to modify or remove content published by an unrelated publisher. Right. So therefore, advertisers are responsible for the advertising. So they need to check any content produced by others on their behalf. So that's really important. Now, in section four, we start going into um, false, misleading or deceptive advertising. So advertisers must not make false, misleading or deceptive claims in the advertising uh, to avoid being misleading or deceptive when advertising. Advertisers should aim for the following. So these are things that you need to take into consideration or take note of. You need to sell your professional services on their merits. You got to be honest about what you do or say in relation to your business practices. Be able to identify when published materials fall under the definition of advertising. Be able to regularly check and maintain compliance of all your advertising. And also look at the overall impression of your advertising. So you need to consider who your audience is, uh, what the ad advertisement is likely to say or mean to them, and how easy it is for your audience to navigate um, and understand your advertising. Okay, so these are the things that um, that you should aim for. Now, here is the advertising which may be false, misleading, or deceptive. Okay, so first of all, it's misleading or directly or by implication through the use of emphasis, comparison, contrast, or omission. Um, providing partial information or omits important details, so you've got to be really careful of that. Um, using scientific information that is inaccurate, unbalanced, or not easily understood by the public, or does not clearly identify the researchers, the sponsors, or the academic publication in which the result is appears. So it's important to list all of those. Also, making statements about the effectiveness of the treatment that are not supported by acceptable evidence. Now, making unqualified claims about the effectiveness of the treatment by listing health conditions that the treatment or services can assist with or treat. Um, suggest a practitioner is a registered health practitioner or hold a specialist registration, qualification, or an endorsement when they don't, by using a title and or other means. So that is considered to be misleading. Also, minimizes, underplays, or underrepresent the risk or potential risk associated with a treatment or procedure. So it's really important that you always include um, a statement of potential risk of procedures. Um, also, comparing health outcomes regulated health uh, professions or practitioners and prices without complete information. So if you're going to make comparisons, it's really important to have full information. And also making claims about providing a superior regulated health um, service. So it's important not to make claims like that. 
Now, in 4.1.1, talking about evidence required for claims made by advertising about the effectiveness of a regulated health service. So, if you're going to make any claims, it's really important that you can substantiate your claim with acceptable evidence. And with APRA, they consider acceptable evidence such as empirical data from formal research or systematic studies in the form of peer-reviewed publications and stating those, okay? Now, in a few more pages, we start getting into some really um, uh, interesting items. So in 4.1.3, making comparisons with other regulated health services, um, it goes into comparative advertising. So comparative advertising that is used to promote a regulated health service over another can be misleading or deceptive because it can be difficult to include a complete information when making comparisons. So if you are going to make a comparative claim um, used in your advertising for your, for your um, health um, practice, they must be clear, accurate, and supported by acceptable evidence where relevant. So examples of comparative advertising include uh, comparisons between health, um, health outcomes and quality of care offered by different regulated health services, uh, comparing professions or the, the competency, skills, or experience of practitioners. So if you're going to compare one dentist to another, um, you know, you got to make sure that you have your, your include all the competencies, skills, and experience, and you disclose all information. And the other one is price. So price comparison of regulated health um, services. So you must have clear, accurate, and supported by accept, acceptable evidence, okay? Now, in 4.1.4b, um, in here's one that we see often with um, clients that we start working with and the content on the website or content on the social media is the other uses of specialization, specialties, and specialist terms in the advertising, right? So often we see uh, practices using terms that they are specialists, right? So this is one that you got to be uh, very mindful of. So when a practitioner does not hold specialist registration, the national board considered that any advertising using words or titles related to specialty is likely to mislead the public to believe that the practitioner holds a type of specialist registration approved under the national law. So this includes advertising using words or variation of the words or phrases like specialist, specializes in, specialty, or special specialized. Okay, so unless you hold the um, the specialist registration approved under the national law, um, our recommendation is don't use those terms. And here in the guidelines, it makes some recommendations. So use words as, such as substantial ex experience in or working primarily in are less likely to be misleading. Okay, so like I said, this is one that we do see often uh, where um, dentists use the word specialist. So um, please don't do that unless you have the specialist registration approved under the national law.
The other one in 4.1.4G is the use of the title doctor. So the doc, the word uh, or the title doctor is actually not a protected title, unlike some of the other um, titles. Um, but registered health practitioners must be careful about how they use doctor or doc in the advertising because the public historically associate the term with medical practitioners. So if the title doctor is used in advertising and does not refer to a registered medical practitioner, then whether or not a doctorate or PhD is held, the profession the practitioner is registered in should be made clear. So you can see here on the left-hand side in the example in blue, um, you instead of just saying Dr. Lee, you put Dr. Lee in bracket osteopath, right? So just be um, really clear what the doctor um, uh, is in or where the title is in reference to. The next one is 4.2 for gifts, discounts or inducements. So sometimes in marketing, you might want to run a promotion where you do gifts, discounts or inducements. So this is applicable. So advertising that offers a gift, discount or other inducement to attract um, someone to use the regulated health service or business must state the terms and conditions of the offer, gift or inducement. Okay, so it's really important to have the terms and conditions. Also, be mindful of the term free. So if you're going to use the word free in your advertising, um, when the costs of a free offer are recouped through a price, a, a price raise, rise elsewhere or through other sources such as Medicare, then the offer is not actually free. So you can't use the word free. Okay. Also, advertising that might breach the national law includes advertising that contains price information that is unclear, inexact, or vague. Um, you're making an offer of uh, make one consultation, get one free. Um, but then you raise the price of the first consult consultation to largely cover the cost of the second free uh, appointment. So that is considered to be a breach. So don't do that. Also, you exclude reference to any existing restriction or limitation, such as age, expiry date, geographical, um, or restrictions on who is eligible for the offer. Um, and also finally, state an installment amount without stating the total cost. Um, being the condition of offer. So if you're going to show the installment amount, it's important to also show the full amount. Otherwise, it could be a breach of the national law. Now, here's another um, big one when it comes to advertising, especially on websites and social media, is testimonial. So let's go through this together. So the national law does not define testimonial. So for APRA and the National Board, they, they've adopted an ordinary meaning uh, being a positive statement about a person or thing, right? So that is what a testimonial is. That's how they define testimonial. Now, in the context of the national law, testimonials are recommendation or positive statement about the clinical aspect of a regulated health service used in advertising, Okay, now 
Not all reviews or positive comments made about a regulated health service are considered testimonials. So, for example, comments about customer service or communication style that do not include a reference to clinical aspects are not considered testimonial for the purpose of the national law. Okay, so now what are clinical aspects? So a clinical aspects exists if one of the following is expressed: a symptom, which is a specific symptom or the reason to seek um, for seeking the treatment, diagnosis or treatment, the specific diagnosis or treatment provided by the practitioner, and the outcome. So the specific outcome or the skills or the experience of the practitioner, either directly or via comparison. Right, so, so here is really clear is that so long as it does not have a clinical aspect in the testimonial, then it can be used. So anything that has a symptom, the diagnosis, or the outcome, don't include it in your advertising or your marketing. Now, the other one that um, raised a lot of questions with um, clients that we start working with is, well, who's responsible for the compliance with the prohibition on the use of testimonials in advertising? Well, it is covered in 4.3.3. So ultimately, the advertiser. So the, the, the advertiser or whoever has the control over the advertising is responsible for the compliance with the prohibition on the use of testimonials in advertising. Right. So now, advertisers are not responsible for removing or trying to remove testimonials published on platforms that they do not control uh, or on sites that are not advertising a regulated health service. However, a regulated health provider should take care if they choose to engage with reviews on a third-party site, as this might consider using a testimonial to advertise a regulated health service. Okay, so in on the left hand side where there's examples. Now, first of all, on a website where the advertiser has got control, so they're responsible for the content on the site. They're responsible for the testimonial on the site. Um, the second one, where a review appeared on a clinical or practitioner's um, business social media that has a review or testimonial function. So the clinic. Um, Business owner or practitioner um, is responsible for the compliance. So not all social media sites allow editing or removal of testimonials. However, the clinical business owner or the practitioner is still responsible for ensuring compliance with the prohibition of the testimonial. And this may be achieved by disabling the review function. So in this case, say Facebook, where it's got the review function, but you can turn it off. So in that example, then um, you should switch it off. The third one is a third-party site that includes advertising. So so a review might appear on a third-party site that they're Um, that advertises a regulated health service, such as a booking site or a review platform where the practitioner or clinic has got no control over the testimonial review function, right? So the owner of the online, in this case, the owner of the online booking site or review platform is responsible for compliance, okay? Now, finally, is um, 
the third-party sites that do not advertise a regulated health service, such as Google. So in here, the review appearing on a third-party site that does not advertise a regulated health service, um, such as service directory, review platforms, social media platforms, or discussion forums. So advertisers are not responsible for the removal, uh, the, for removing um, or trying to remove testimonials uh, published on these platforms because they do not control this site. So in the, we have seen reviews on Google's and you can't remove it. So therefore, in that case, the, uh, the business owner or the practitioner is not responsible for removing those reviews. So I hope this has gives some, give some clarity around uh, testimonials, which ones you can use, which ones you can't use, what's considered uh, a testimonial according to the national law. The next one is item 4.4, which is advertising that creates an unreasonable expectation of beneficial treatment. So in here, we go into two parts. The first parts are examples where advertising may be in breach of this section of the national law. And they include where it creates an unreasonable expectation of outcome or recovery time after providing a regulated health service, such as by exaggerating or by providing incomplete or biased information. Um, it could be overstating the potential benefits. Or the other one, uh, which we've also seen, is minimizing the complexity of risk associated with a treatment by using words such as safe, effective, risk-free, pain-free, without acknowledging possible adverse reaction or mixed inconclusive evidence of the treatment, right? So it's always important to state that with, with all health treatment, it comes with potential risk. Um, the other one is containing false or unsubstantiated information or material that's likely to make a person believe that their health or well-being might suffer from not using um, the regulated health service. And the other part is to contain a claim statement or implication that is likely to create an unreasonable expectation of beneficial treatment by either expressly or by omission, indicating that the treatment is infallible, unfailing, magical, miraculous, or certainty, guarantee, or sure cure. So you can't use any of those words or give those impressions. Also stating that the practitioner has an exclusive or unique skills or remedy that will benefit the patient. And then also the other one is the use of photos and uh, images of unrealistic outcome. So patient stories and journeys, which is used often in uh, cosmetic dental practices. Um, so, so in here is that a personal benefit or outcome obtained from a treatment might create an unreasonable expectation of the beneficial treatment as the outcomes experienced by one person do not necessarily reflect the outcome that the other person might experience. So using stories and journeys 
um, you know, some of my go, they've gained so much more uh, confidence by having a smile makeover. Well, just because someone has a smile makeover and gain confidence, it doesn't mean that someone else will also gain confidence by having a smile makeover. So therefore, you can't say that you're gonna, someone's gonna get confidence by having a smile makeover. Um, in the patient stories or journey. Or someone might say that they have now attracted the love of their life by having dental veneers, which just because it happens to one, um, one patient, it doesn't mean that another patient is going to attract the love of their life. So, um, just because it is in that person's story. So, um, so don't use those type of, um, beneficial statements. So in in 4.4.1, it goes into images and photography, which is once again used very often in cosmetic uh, dentistry. Um, so be careful when using uh, graphic or um, visual representation advertising that they do not create an unreasonable explanation, uh, expectation of benefits as the outcome experienced by one person do not necessarily reflect the outcome. So, um, uh, that the other people might experience. So advertising might be in breach of this section of the national law if it is not clear how the advertised treatment is responsible for or has directly caused um, the benefits shown in the image or the images are not genuine or have been edited or enhanced, right? So be very mindful of photoshopping your photos um, so let's go into before and after photos. So care should be taken when using before and after images in advertising a regulated health service as they have the potential to be misleading and deceptive. Um, so these images might cause a member of the public to have unreasonable expectation of a successful outcome. The use of before after photos are less likely to be misleading if, so you can use before after photos, However, this is what you need to take into consideration. The images are as similar as possible in terms of content, camera angle, background, reframing, and exposure. Um, the posture, the clothing, the makeup is consistent. The lighting and contrast is consistent. And that there's an explanation if the images has been altered in, uh, in any way. Also, the reference treatment or procedure is the only visible change to the person being photographed. So, for example, with teeth whitening, don't go and Photoshop it and make the teeth whiter than, um, than what the procedure has created. Um, don't start pho Photoshopping um, smarming over photos because that will be considered to be misled misleading or deceptive. Okay. And in here, we talk about 4.5, encouraging um, indiscriminate or unnecessary use of uh, regulated health services. Okay, so this is um, uh, could be another marketing tactic where any health intervention involves inherent risk. So encouraging the use of regulated health services, which is not based on clinical needs or therapeutic benefit, is not in the public interest. Um, so advertising may be unlawful when it creates an impression or a sense of urgency that is linked to a person's health suffering if they do not use a regulated health service where there's no clinical indication to support this. So for example, using words such and phrases such as don't delay, 
act now before it's too late, don't miss out, time is running out, or for limited time only. So creating a sense of urgency um, and maybe unlawful where they are linked to an unsubstantiated claim that a person's health might suffer if they do not use the regulated health service. Okay, so so it's saying things like, you know, your teeth are going to fall out if, you know, you don't have your regular checkup and clean, right? So, um, so it needs to be a substantiated claim if you're going to um, create urgency. Ideally, just don't create urgency at all. Um, also encourages a person to attend periodic or regular appointments where there's no clinical indication to do so, right? So this includes um, contracting um, for future services, okay? Um, the other one is also using incentives such as prices, discounts, bonuses, gifts that will encourage people to use service regardless of the clinical um, needs or therapeutic benefits. So looking at the left-hand side in the example in the blue box here where um, the potential bridge is each time you attend for cosmetic injection at our practice, you go into a draw to win a luxury car. So the more times you attend, the more entries you get and the more chances you have to win, right? So this is an example of a potential bridge to get someone to have multiple cosmetic injections for their chance to win a luxury car. So um, so that will be a potential bridge. So don't run uh, promotions like that. So to wrap up, I hope that by going through this um, summary of the APRA guidelines has given you the peace of mind on how to approach your marketing in 2022 and beyond. We always keep ourselves up to date with the APRA guideline um, to ensure that our clients are compliance uh, compliant with their digital marketing. And if you want to explore what we do, then I encourage you to check out our practicegrowth.com.au website and it is designed to help your cosmetic dental practice to double in three years or less as we have helped multiple clients of, of ours who have done that in less than three years. Um, um, so yeah, I hope that we get to work with you and I hope that you found this, um, this video and this podcast useful. Cheers. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Content Maximizer podcast. You can get a full transcript of this episode, plus access to a lot more free online marketing tips at www.contentmaximizer.com. See you at the next episode.